welcome to the next episode of Lunch Break, a podcast to help you guys get more exposed to the Stevenson community and staff. I'm your host, Megan Han, and for today's lunch, I'm having a really good burrito from Costco. Now, for our next guest, we have invited Mr. Villaseco, who is the orchestra director at Stevenson. Now, would you, Mr. Villaseco, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, like what you teach, how long you've worked at Stevenson, and what you're having for lunch today? Uh, sure. Uh, well, I'm Mr. Villaseco. I, uh, I was born in Chicago. And uh, my family, uh, from from um, Puerto Rican and Cuban cultural background, and uh, um, let's see, I'm a violinist. Uh, that's guy. I got my uh, degree in, in performance a long time ago, <laughs> long century, <laughs> and I uh, got a master's in music education. Currently working on my doctoral degree at Boston University, so I can, okay. you know, speak more wisely about social justice issues in through music education. Um, Let's see, what else did you, what, uh, I kind of lost my train of thought. Uh, um, just like, hot like, that's kind of it, just what you teach. Sure, time. sure. Oh, I've been here 14 years, so I've been here quite a long time, and I probably will be here another 14 <laughs> years. Um, uh, loving every minute of it. I have, you know, some of the greatest people to work with, but I have the absolute best students um, anywhere, I, you know. And you happen to be in that group that I just love every day, just walking in and playing beautiful music and, and seeing the positive attitude. So um, having a great time. Having a great yeah, time. Thanks. So why exactly did you decide to be like an orchestra teacher? Well, when I was very young, growing up in the city, um, I, I had a pretty rough time um, growing up. And the one gift that I had, and I, and I think it's a gift, um, was my love for music. And the fact that um, I was, I had the opportunity to play the violin, and it saved me. And I thought, wow, if that could do that for me, how can I help others um, through this through this art form, music? It is super powerful, and um, it it belongs to everybody. You know, the world would be such a boring place without music. So you know, it's like even in an elevator, you hear music. Some, you know, what I'm saying? There's music everywhere. Um, and I, I'm so just happy to be a part of that. Um, I got into education because I had some really positive mentors as I was growing up, and they were all educators. And I thought, well, this is a way to help somebody who might need me, um, and my experiences might help them. I don't claim to have all the answers, but I, I do at least try to learn, and, um, and I enjoy that. I enjoy that aspect of it because I also get a lot of information from my students. They teach me so much about myself. I learned so much about them, the community, so many wonderful things. And um, especially here at Stevenson, where we have such a varied, you know, culturally varied and, 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 and all kinds of variations of everything. And I love that because you can truly learn about those things in ways you never thought you could. So I'm super happy about that. Mm, that's, that's really nice. Yeah. So, um, so like I know teaching music is kind of like something a lot of parents or a lot of people don't really support. So like, was that kind of something that like was an obstacle to becoming a music teacher or anything like that? Well, um, you know, I, I the support that I got was from from my adoptive family, you know. Mm-hmm. So and it was a thing that that kind of kept me going, and they were very very um, supportive of that. Um, education came a little bit later. It's kind of one of my viola teachers, actually, because I took violin and viola lessons oh. as I was growing up. 
um, told me, you should become a teacher. You have, you have a, a very, um, you know, your, your presence is, 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 you know, very positive and you could do a lot of great things for students and um, you will suffer less <laughs> because being a, um, a freelance musician sometimes is difficult and point, um, you know, what happened with COVID, you know, all of these musicians were out of jobs for a long time and um, it, they were overlooked when, you know, a lot of help was going out there because they were self-employed, they didn't quite fall under certain categories. So it was very, very difficult to see my friends who were freelance musicians trying to make ends meet. Um, you know, the, the life of teaching private lessons, I did that for a while too, and I played in all the orchestras in Chicago, um, and it was, it was beautiful, I enjoyed it, but I also knew it wasn't very stable. So mm -hmm. education um, is very stable, and Plus, you know, you, you really do impact a lot of people through that as well. Mm -hmm. That's true. So, how did you actually, like, end up at Stevenson? Like, did you work somewhere else and then, like, transfer? I did. I was working in Chicago um, at, a, at a high school. Um, I had just, you know, the uh, four years, we, you know, the four previous years, I was working in the south suburbs. And um, from there, I, I came up to Chicago because my mom was not well. She was, you know, struggling mm -hmm. through... Uh, breast cancer at the time and I'm like well I should probably be closer anything happens I need to be there for I need to be there um, so I said I'm gonna I'm gonna do a job I'm gonna do this job in Chicago it's closer to home okay. and it was and it was really lots of fun they didn't have an orchestra there the previous yeah. orchestra director retired and but they had all the instruments and I'm like huh. they hired me as a general music teacher and I'm like, I'm not doing general music. I really don't. I am not the personality for general music. I tried it because way back when I used to teach general music at, at a K through eight school. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, I took the instruments and I said, you're all are playing instruments in this class from now on. So I had 200 orchestra kids in one year. They didn't have a choice. It's like, you're all playing instruments. I'm sorry, but I am the orchestra person and it was very well supported. And to this very day, uh, there are there is an orchestra at that school um, where I taught for for just one year, for just oh, one year. Wow. So um, and it's great, you know. There's been moments where I'm just like at the grocery store or something in Chicago, and somebody comes up to me, "Are you Mr. Villaseco?" I'm like, "Yeah, who are you?" You know, because they grow up, you know. Oh. And, the, and and they say, yeah, because of you, I studied piano, or because of you, I pursued something in music, or. My kids are now, you know, taking violin lessons. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm really getting old. <laughs> but it, it's it's also very rewarding to know that you've touched someone's life to that extent and um, that it's continuing, that it's now, you know, part of the cycle, you know, yeah. that it doesn't just stop. It continues and it continues to change more lives. It's like, wow, just me? You know, that was just an influence, right? So I, I, I would love to see more of our students here at Stevenson consider music education. We've had quite a few, uh, but it really is a, a phenomenal life. Yeah, that's my opinion, of course, my opinion. <laughs> so like, for those of you, like the students who haven't been in your class, like, cause Stevenson's of course a more diverse community. It's like really big, lots of students. So like, what's your approach to teaching them? What's the approach to like, 
getting them have so many options to be more like involved with the music community. Well, you know, we're very fortunate here at Stevenson that we have some of our general music classes, like mm-hmm. piano. Uh, a student that has no musical experience that wants to come in and do guitar with Mr. Saitlin. I mean, it's a great program. Start with nothing, and, and it just kind of builds yourself up. Uh, the piano is very similar, too. Um, and then the music industry and production classes, which are just phenomenal. Um, Betty Vogler, who's teaching that, I'm just so just in awe of her knowledge and just how much fun it is. So that's that's kind of like the the gateway to so many things positive in music and um, those those classes are offered here at Stevenson and they continue to grow and that's why our music department keeps growing you know we have eight eight staff members here in in just music so uh, let's see is that I think we have one two three Maddie Mark that's four band people three orchestra people two people so that's nine people so we've got nine people in the music department and then we've got all of the other people that come in and help us out um, we've got Miss Diletto that's a percussion specialist that works with the band and then we've got um, Morgan Little who helps out with low strings and also Baroque Ensemble and things like that so we've got quite a quite a strong music program so you kind of just like talked about Baroque Ensemble so I've never been a part of it a lot of students haven't do you want to kind of like introduce that because yeah, well, it's a it's a very interesting thing because the students that do it and that understand what it's all about really, really love it. Um, there's no director. You know, the students are basically part of the ensemble and they lead from, you know, the instrument that is important at that time, uh, which is really great. Um, there's room for uh, improvisation and room for interpretation. Um, all of those things come together through that ensemble. We play on period instruments, and what that means is that the instruments are not like the modern instruments you see in an orchestra. These are the precursor to the instruments you, you see in here today. Um, they're tuned lower. They use gut strings. Uh, the, the length of the neck is shorter. The angle of the, the, of the neck is, is lower. Um, and the sound is incredible, and the bows are different too. We use the, the old Baroque bows as well, and it's just so much fun. Um, usually one to a part, or very few to a part when we do ensembles. We, um, we travel. We've done the Early Music Festival in Boston, and we were the only high school group there to represent um, the whole country, basically. Um, we've performed with Rachel Barton Pine. Rachel is a good friend of mine. Um, and she's also an early music specialist um, and a heavy metal on the violin (laughs) specialist and, uh, you know, just modern violin. And she's just all over the place, but wonderful and a great supporter of our program. And we performed with her at the um, ASTA convention in New Mexico, which is American String Teachers Association. And we were the only high school group that performed with her at that convention. So a lot of honors um, for our Baroque Ensemble. And my hope is that more students, especially those that are planning to go into performance, experience that, or even minor in music. Um, The point being is that it really helps open up your mind to how to interpret music from a practical, historically informed perspective. 
It's like, oh, that's what the composer wanted it to sound like, because that's what the instrument sounded like. We have proof of that. We've got the instruments. We've got the, the you know, the same materials and everything. Um, and, you know, I kind of bring that into my classes as much as I can. Um, but playing on modern instruments and playing on Baroque instruments, it's very, there, there are differences. You know, and to teach someone on a modern instrument, it's like, why don't you try it on the thing that it was designed for and then see if you can transfer that to your modern instruments. A lot of students have told me that. It's like, I don't see music the same way anymore. When I hear like a Vivaldi or Bach on the radio and it's played on modern instruments, it bothers me because it doesn't oh. sound the same or they do too much vibrato or they don't understand what a messa de voce is or, you know, all of the various, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, gestures and musical um nuances that happened during that time are missing on modern instruments or people don't know how to do them they do it with a 20th century romantic mm -hmm. approach which takes away from the quality mm -hmm. and the excitement of the music too because mm -hmm. it's so amazing you hear things you never heard before when you play it on the instruments they were designed for so yeah so it's a lot of a lot of cool <laughs> stuff um we obviously bring in um some great clinicians. We've got a, an interesting collection of, of instruments. We own eight Baroque violins, four Baroque violas, three Baroque cellos. Um, we still don't have a Baroque bass, but we do have a di violone, which is the precursor for the modern bass. It's a six string low instrument that's um, connected to the viola, violas da gamba. And we have a whole viol consort. So the trebles, the tenors, the, and, and the bass gambas as well, including the mm -hmm. G violone and the D violone. We've got um, two theorbos. Those are like six foot tall um, lutes, basically, with like 13 or 14 strings on them. And we've got students that play that, and they play it in the ensemble. We've got a Baroque guitar, which is beautiful. It's so, so cool. It's, it's, it looks like a tiny guitar, like a ukulele, but a little bit bigger. Oh. Um, and we have a vihuela, which is the precursor to the modern guitar. So, and a lute. Oh, I forgot. We also have a lute as well. So we've got a large collection. Um, our, one of our um, coaches for the Vio Consort and Baroque Ensemble, Morgan Little, went to Juilliard. And there's an early music program there, and he says our collection of instruments surpasses what they have at Juilliard. Really? That's... Yes, it does. We what? have a better collection than Juilliard. Oh, and by the way, we have a, a we have a harpsichord, a real harpsichord, single manual harpsichord, and we have the electric version of it too. So when we travel, we don't have time to tune; we use the little one. <laughs> but but it's a really good um, electronic instrument that um, most specialists use when they perform without a real harpsichord. So it's kind of cool. We've got all that stuff, um, you know, and we're using it. We're, we're having a great time with it. Yeah. I think Stevenson is very lucky and very fortunate that we have all these instruments, like yeah. surpassing Juilliard. That's insane. Like, yeah. We have a better collection than Juilliard. We definitely have a better collection than Northwestern because they have an early music program there. Um, and I, you know, if we have a better collection than Juilliard, I'm sure we have a better collection <laughs> than most schools do. Um, and we continue to grow that, you know, hopefully next year, fingers crossed, we can get a Baroque base. Those are really expensive and very hard to find. Very hard to find. So this is kind of moving away from that, but like, what is something like your, you want your students to know about like, maybe just about teaching or just about like your approach to anything in the music society at Stevenson? Well, 
you know, for anyone who is planning to teach, um, the first thing I would want them to know is that you have to love teaching. You have to love students. You have to love your community. And you have to be open and know that you don't have all the answers. You're a learner with your students. It's, it's a two-way street. It isn't a one-way street. Um, I know when I grew up, it felt like it was a one-way street. It was a whole different time um, where, you know, it was like very autocratic. <laughs> you know, it was like <laughs> the conductor says this and you are nothing. And that oh. is not the way I would, you know, like any of my students to feel in class. Um, and it's not to say that I don't make mistakes. I do. But we all have to acknowledge that mistakes are part of the learning process, too. And we learn from those things. And um, showing vulnerability is important for me. So that students understand, like, oh, wow, that person up there who I think I can't talk to or is not as human as I think is human and, <laughs> and makes mistakes. And I can be myself and I can express myself in certain ways. Um, I think that um, that's super important for me. So if, if a student is going into teaching or anything like that, even being a performer, don't be a jerk, right? Yeah. Like, put yourself in check. Don't, don't be an egomaniac that you think you're better than everyone. Because you're not. There's always someone out there that can do technical things, you know, better than you. And that's okay. Learn from it. We're a community, and we need to support each other. And that's another kind of part of my philosophy. I like to see connection. I like to see, it's hard because some people don't feel comfortable with that at an early age. Um, but I've seen through the four years, like students start off with very timid. And then by the time they get to junior, senior year, they're like, oh, this is okay. I feel better. I feel more connected. Um, and allowing people to feel and see themselves in orchestra as like a viable member, as a person with a voice, I think it's super important because then you own it. It belongs to you, not to me. It's ours. So that's another kind of philosophical kind of approach that I, I try to take to orchestra. And like I said, I'm not perfect. I'm sure I'm doing things wrong all the time. But my students help me out. <laughs> yeah. So you kind of said you're really big into social justice, right? Mm -hmm. So like, is that something you're incorporating into your teaching or is like... Yeah, um, well, music is a, is a great uh, platform from which to talk about those things because co composers were human beings. Composers had a history. Composers came from different places. Composers had, um, you know, loved other people. Um, they, they struggled with identity issues in ways that we might or might not understand. Um, and it's a great way to bring up issues about like, hey, why are we doing this composer? Or tell me something about that composer. It brings meaning to the performance many times when you understand where the music is coming from. Um, so we also talk about subjects in orchestra that I, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't talk about in most classes. But I, I believe that students should connect with each other and they should talk about the uncomfortable things because if we can learn to see each other, to really see and hear each other and listen to each other, it will make our music making so much more intense and meaningful. And you have to play with meaning. You have mm -hmm. to play with passion. And there has to be a goal. And if you share a lot of that, if you share compassion for each other and empathy and understanding, we can go further. And that, that should transfer to other parts of your life. 
not just orchestra. You know, when we go into chamber, for example, oh my gosh, if you're not listening to each other, if you're not being patient, if you're not being empathetic and considering other people or in some cases being the leader and saying, okay, we really need to do these things. Let's all come on board. You know, all of these skills you learn through that process transfer to so many other things you do in life. And it's very student driven at that point because we can't be in every chamber group all the time driving the bus, basically, right? We allow that bus to be driven by students, which is great. And that's why we do that. That's, you know, January to February is all about students making music on their own. They get coachings. Um, they have time to rehearse. They have time to, you know, pick the music they want to play. They challenge each other. They challenge themselves. And then the final product is this beautiful piece of art that they perform for their friends and families at the chamber concert. But it's all part of the experience that, I'm, that we're really trying to um, you know, promote in, in orchestra here at Stevenson. Yeah, communication is a big part of music, so that's really nice. I didn't, I didn't really think of it before that way. I kind of just thought like the chamber project was kind of just a way to get like everybody involved, but I didn't realize it had such like a deep meaning oh, to yeah. communication. Absolutely, and you learn about people's like things. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like oh, I didn't realize that about that person. That's a very difficult person to work with, and then you have to decide. Well, how do I work with that? How do I bring that person on board, or how am I being seen by that person or the group of people? What is my role in making this better? There's a lot of things, a lot of personalities that you're working with, and sometimes it's even better not to play with your friends that you know so well, because sometimes things can go sour <laughs> because of because of the you know it's like everyone is so intense and passionate about getting the right notes and getting all the but there's so much more to it too. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But you know, I I like seeing groups of of just varied personalities because it really challenges us. It challenges us and it takes us to different places that we didn't expect. So. Okay. All right, how about, we're gonna end on a pretty good note. So it's like, what is one thing you want all your students to know, I guess? Or one you wanna tell your students? Well, I, I always wanna tell my students that I care deeply about them and that I wanna see them happy and that I wanna see them find passion in this art form and that they should um, understand that I want them to be their true selves. Um, it's meaningful to me to see that, that a student, that a human being in our space, our shared space, doesn't hide who they are. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important and hopefully brings us closer together. Okay. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I'm honored to have been asked to do this. Yeah. I hope it works out. <laughs> Thanks for joining us once again on Lunch Break. If you like this podcast, make sure to share it with friends and family. Also, make sure to tune in to our next episode to find out what Miss Ruda is having for lunch.